very good morning to you on a sunny morning in Pittsburgh. This is a 9 o'clock hour that I seldom see, Joel Nelson. Good morning to you. How are you today? Excellent, Bob. Big sports weekend. Ready to rock and roll. Uh, you're you ready to rock and roll. You're ready to play some wagers. I see what you're doing over there. So we'll talk about, obviously, the big game coming up tomorrow. But we have a lot of other things to get into as well. So this is an earlier show for me. We're on from 9 until 11.30. And at that point, we'll join the Pitt Panther Radio Network talking about Pitt and Florida State and what a season it's been for Jeff Capel and company. Also, honored to follow Pat Bostick, who I think does a wonderful job on his show every Saturday. Uh, you can always listen to it and get the latest Pitt sports information from Mr. Bostick. In the meantime, the number call here right now is 412-928-9370. You can also hit me up on Twitter. It's at KD Pomp. As we progress through this morning, and in case you missed it last night, the Penguins played a late game. I'm going to get you started there with the Penguins beating Anaheim 6-3. to And boy, is Anaheim a mess. They got some young kids on their team. Um, McTavish, Zegris, people like that. But they have a lot of problems. And the Penguins took full advantage of turnovers. And there were a lot of turnovers in that game. The Oakman, Oakmont Bakery would have been proud. Uh, Anaheim threw the puck all over the place. Pittsburgh took it and generated 59 shots on goal. 20 Five of them in the first period when they took a 3-1 lead. And actually, it should have not been 3-1. John Gibson played outstanding. Hard to say that when you give up six goals, but I thought he played outstanding hockey last night. It could have been 13-3, quite frankly. That's how bad Anaheim was. But the Penguins will take it. And, you know, point producing is very important this time of the year. Last night, it was Evgeny Malkin who registered a couple of assists. He now has 1,200 in his career. He's the third player in Penguins history to do that. And only the fourth active player to have 1,200, that would be Crosby, Ovechkin, and Patrick Kane, who's still playing with Chicago. I thought he might be dealt by now. He still might be dealt, as this was a busy week for some of these teams, most notably Vladimir Tarasenko, who was traded from the Blues to the Rangers. It took him three minutes to score his first Ranger goal last night. Uh, on a very, very difficult line to defend, I would imagine, is Tarasenko with Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad, and that's going to be hard for any team to deal with. Uh, they won again last night, so they've moved right up point-wise. And if you're checking out the point standings today, the Penguins have overtaken Washington as the number one wild card. What that means, if it were to end today, Pittsburgh would take on Carolina instead of Boston in the first round of the playoffs. The Penguins with 61 points, and that's big because they have two games in hand minimum on the next three teams I'm going to mention. And that would be the Washington Capitals, who have 60 points, the New York Islanders, who have 59, and the Florida Panthers, who have 58 Penguins have four games in hand on the Islanders, so that's a that's actually like a six-point lead on them or so. The team to watch is Buffalo because they have a game in hand against the Penguins, and they have 56 points. So the Sabres are playing well, and they may jump into one of those wild-card spots. Who not? You know, bottom line is the, the Atlantic division is already set. Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay, no one else is getting in top three. Boston, 83 points. Toronto, 72 points. Tampa Bay, 68 points. And in the other side of it, the Metro Carolina 76, the Devils have gotten hot again. They're 72, and then the Rangers with 68. So that's your updated uh, Metropolitan and Atlantic Division standings in the Eastern Conference. But the Penguins will play tonight. Jeff Carter got a goal last night, and he'll try to get one against his old team today. That's coming up um, later tonight as the Penguins go to the LA Kings. It'll be more difficult, and they're hoping that Tristan Jari gets back at some point. He's been injured, as you know. Um, they need him to be healthy. And if he's not healthy and not playing well at the playoffs, I don't think they have much of a shot. If he is, 
I think this team can surprise teams in the playoffs. But the question will be, what do you do if you're Ron Hextall? We've been talking about this for a while. He seems like he's not interested in really making any sort of big trade. He's already publicly said that he's not going to trade his number one pick. Now, if you saw the Vladimir Tarasenko trade, they gave up a number one pick, the Rangers, didn't they? You know, and why not? They're trying to win. they got a very talented team. Um, not many weaknesses on that roster. A number one pick plus two players. The player's not so much of a big concern, but the number one pick is. So the Penguins said they're not going to trade it. So if they're not going to trade it, what do they have to offer? Quite frankly, not many answers in their system. Not many players are going to be interested, or teams are going to be interested in players they have, unless it's from the major league roster. And if you do that, what are you actually doing? Mixing and matching different pieces. You're not really making a big change. And who can you trade? If it's not Gensel or Rust, I mean, those guys just signed long-term. Gensel still has a couple years left. Maybe he's the guy. But then again, he plays on Crosby's line, and Crosby likes him. So what do you do there? 412-928-9370. Let me know if you have a take on that. In the meantime, there's a lot of basketball today as well. Pitt, Florida State. How about the Pitt Panthers? Who would have thought they'd be where they are with a chance today of getting into the top spot in the ACC regular season? If they win, I think it's Virginia has to beat uh, Virginia and Clemson. Those are the teams. I got to look who they play today, but... Uh, a combination of those losses and Pitt win will put Pitt in the top spot. And they're favored to beat Florida State, although Florida State beat them earlier here at the Peterson Event Center. So Pitt's getting a lot of good production from the outside. Again, they're not shy about taking three-pointers. They make most, um, or at least most when you look at the rest of the ACC. And they've become a pretty good inside team. Federico Federico has a lot of length. He blocks a lot of shots. Um, Diaz, Graham Brothers. The Twin Towers, they're pretty good inside when they have to be. But they're going to have to make shots, obviously, if you're in a one-and-done situation. Uh, they can't get really cold in one of these games. And when you live by the three-point shot, sometimes you die by the three-point shot. However, I like the fact they're aggressive. they got an older team, obviously. They're bringing a lot of uh, transfers. So this is a pit team that I think can make some noise here, not just in the ACC tournament, but if you look at bracketology right now, they're an eighth seed. They've moved all the way up to that. I don't understand why they're not ranked yet, though. No respect to the ACC this year, and maybe that's accurate. Maybe it's not. But there are very few teams ranked. Duquesne, or Duquesne, Duke and North Carolina, they are not the same teams that they normally are. Miami's okay. Pitt and Miami could be a showdown on March 4th down there in Coral Gables. We'll see with the ACC championship. But they have not strong top to bottom as they normally do. In the meantime, Pitt has taken advantage of that. They've moved right up, and they should be ranked, quite frankly. And if they beat Florida State today, they will be ranked. Uh, but they can get all the way up to a five seed, as I see it, if they continue to do what they're going to be doing. And they're a favorite in most of their games. they got Boston College at home. They're playing better, but they're still beatable Tuesday night on Valentine's Day at the Peterson Event Center. So... Uh, a lot of good basketball coming up. And today, Duquesne, by the way, congrats to uh, Keith Dambrod, who won his 500th career game. I think a day after LeBron James got his 38,000-plus point to overtake Kareem Abdul – or to uh, – what am I saying? Yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I was ready to call him Lou Alcindor. See what I'm saying? You go back to all these days – Joel, when people had their original names and they changed names, and then I get caught up in the old names because I, I go that far back. But anyway, overtaking him to get 38,000 points. It was interesting that night, by the way. Did you happen to see uh, Anthony Davis's response? He was on the bench. Yeah, he didn't that really was quite seem interesting. To care. I don't know if that's making much about nothing here because, quite frankly, everyone has a phone going. 
somebody had taken that from a cell phone and he looked completely disinterested. It's weird, yeah, because the rest of the team was out there on the court celebrating, and it's, that's that's really strange. Well, his contention was he was taken out of the game. He wasn't all that happy about it at the time. And they're still trying to win a game, which they lost to Oklahoma City, and that was a big loss for them. But, you know, it's interesting, and I don't know if I'm, again, I may be reading too much into this, but not a lot of LeBron's, you know, former teammates who are not active, who could have been there, were there. It's almost like it's not easy to play with a LeBron James. It really isn't. And I think sometimes if you're going to go in that situation, you better understand your role with that team. You know, he's the guy who's going to be not only the facilitator, but the guy who's going to take a lot of the big shots. Maybe Anthony Davis doesn't like playing there anymore. Who knows? A lot of guys have moved away from LeBron James or uh, haven't gone and joined him when many thought they would. I don't know. I got to give him a lot of credit, though. At 38 years of age, his shooting percentage in that game specifically, but also all season long, you can you can feel whatever you want about him, you know, from from a political point of view because he's not shy about dabbling into social issues. But as far as a basketball player and what he's been able to do, man, it's hard to not look at him and say he's the best of all time. Although there's an argument to be made there, but um, you know, he's shooting like near 60 percent. From the floor this year, you never would have guessed that he's thirty-eight. No, and he's thirty-eight. He's twenty years, and and he's still right at the top points per game. He's when he wants to play the facilitator role. There's not many people better than him, uh, which is an amazing thing to to say about a guy who's thirty-eight and and that big and still capable. So he's just a tremendous, and that's one guy. And I'll put Sidney Crosby in this group too, and people like it who had enormous. Absolute enormous expectation when they came into their leagues at young ages, carrying all the weight of that pressure, of those expectations. And has not only lived up to it, but exceeded what I think you could have expected. I'd say so. It actually brings me to this. What do you think about Bryce Harper in this conversation with LeBron and Sidney Crosby? Or is that not fair? Because we know there was a lot of expectation for I Harper. Would, uh, or is yeah. that... I think that's a good point, but I, I I wouldn't say as much so. Sure, but I you know baseball doesn't get all the attention that some of these other and hockey doesn't either for that matter. But I think you knew Sidney Crosby was being talked about when he was 11 years old that he was going to be this next thing coming up, and he's handled all of it so beautifully. Um, but I think Bryce Harper, sure, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as some kid who was going to be this, and he's lived up to it for the most part. He absolutely has got a 300 million dollar contract. Um, I'd have to look closely at his postseason numbers when he's been there. Uh, although I think overall, yes, I think he has lived up to the hype that he has been, uh, you know, given when he was a 17-year-old. But it's hard to do that. I would imagine with all the pressure on your shoulders, you've seen a lot of people come and go who can't handle it. LeBron James has certainly done that, and much more, much more, uh, with his um, now 38,000 plus the most points ever, and he's going to keep going. You know, I don't think there's anyone going to stop him right now. He looks like he can play for a couple of more years. He's going to be getting 40,000 points for sure, at least. Yeah, but the Lakers still stink. And they, you know, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. Although the West is very crowded. Here we go in the NBA talk. Sometimes people don't like that around here, but I, I always welcome it. And if you'd like to talk about the NBA, feel free. But, um, you know, you got all these. Here's the other thing about the NBA. This is either, depending on how you view it, good or bad for the game. The amazing amount of turnover when it comes to trades that you see at trade deadlines, offseason not so much, but mostly at the trade deadline. Guys wanting out, getting out, massive trades, players, draft picks, massive draft picks being 
you know, James Wiseman gets five second-round picks, and he hasn't done anything. I know he was a second-overall pick, but five second-round, not the second-round picks mean all that much in the NBA compared to first round. But you either like it or don't like it. Kyrie Irving, there's a lot not to like about him, but there is a lot to like about him if he just plays and is focused on playing. He can help Dallas because I don't think Dallas, even with Luka Doncic, was going to do anything in the postseason again. You know, last year they did. They went okay. They did some pretty good things. But it needs you need more than one guy, right? Do you like him? Do you like that trade? Do you think Mark Cuban is going to regret it, or you think he's going to say, "I'm glad I made that trade for Kyrie Irving"? I do like this trade for Kyrie Irving because now you got like two thirty-plus point scores to defend if you're going up against Dallas, and and both guys could do a lot of work as as distributors. So I I like this for Dallas a lot. Well, if you don't like Kyrie Irving, you probably don't like Kevin Durant either after what he pulled. You know, he's always been disgruntled, it seems. And this this is what I don't understand about these guys. Why are you always so unhappy? James Harden, same thing. You know, they want to force their way out. They get to a team, and within a year and a half, they're out. One out. Uh, Kevin Durant has meddled into GM opportunities. Steve Nash, I'm sure, didn't like necessarily working with him. You know, he's a superstar. Okay, and when he's on, he's on. But do you think if he, you know, Obviously, if you look at what Phoenix has, although I do like Cam Johnson, they traded him away and Mikael Bridget, both good players, plus four number one picks. I'll say this, Brooklyn has taken a page out of the Oklahoma City book. They're going to, they're gonna in the next three years, rebuild. they got like eight number one picks coming up in the next three years. They're going to all of a sudden be uh, a different team, maybe a very good team, maybe not so much. But Kevin Durant with Phoenix, you got a lot of people there. Eight and once out, but he's still there and a good player inside. You have Chris Paul. Devin Booker, just those four guys alone. That's a pretty stacked starting four out of five. I don't know, but they're but you know, the West is wide open. It's pretty amazing. It'll be fun to watch, actually. All right. Enough NBA talk since not many people like talking about, it, but if you do, make sure that you call 412-928-9370. We'll take a break. Wanna thank our sponsors, PNC Bank. Make today the day. Number one, Cochran. Go one better. Ride in style with number one, Cochran. Also, Iron Rock Tap House. Going to be telling you more about Iron Rock Tap House coming up. A great play to, uh, place to watch all your sporting events. Great vibe in there. Great food and drink, plus big screens and all the things you would want as a sports fan. Who else are we going to thank? Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. Always thank those guys. The Twins plus Fishman. I think Fishman needs to get a little bit more propping. You know, it's always the Twins, and no one talks about Fishman. But Fishman is a big part of that, you know, one-third of the of the threesome there. But thank you to them and Ireland Contracting, home of the nightly sports call on Pittsburgh CW and also simulcast sometimes right here on the fan at 1035 every single night. All right, we're just getting started until 1130 today. Call with your opinions about whatever it may be. Would love to talk to you this morning right here on the Bob Pompiani Show Sports Radio, 93.7 The Fan. Sun is shining brightly. It's a busy sports weekend, and we're honored to be here talking sports with you. 412-928-9370. That is the hotline number. It's also the number of the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Twitter is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Peters Township, or visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. And again, our show, big thank you to PNC Bank. PNC, make today the day. Great place to check out their virtual wallet and make sure Financial life a lot easier to navigate. Also, number one, Cochrane. Shop 24-7 with Expressway at Cochrane.com. They make it easy for you to buy or sell a car. Also, we're talking about uh, Iron Rock Tap House, Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. 
and Ireland Contracting, home of the Sports Call. Now, I want to talk about something that was going on this week that's very impressive, and that is the Pro Football Hall of Fame class of 2023. Um, we find Darrell Rivas in that class. And I know that Pat Bostic, and at least I heard he was scheduled to have Dave Wanstead on, and they talked, I'm sure, about Darrell Rivas. And he also had a you know coach of Zach Thomas who made it. You have two Thomases. You have Joe Thomas, Zach Thomas, Darrell Rivas, Demarcus Ware, Rondé Barber was a little bit of a controversial selection. Don Coriel, Joe Klecko, another one who I'm not so sure that was 50-50 for me, Ken Riley and Chuck Howley. Now, either, here are some of the guys who didn't make it, and I'm going to argue this until whenever. Devin Hester did not make it. Joel, I'm sorry, but you, Devin Hester was the best at what he did for a long period of time. No one else has the kind of special teams returns ever. And somehow, someway, he didn't get votes. And I know it's complicated because you have a lot of people who are coming in year after year, first ballot guys who deserve to, to be there and get in, and guys who are carried over from the previous classes, which is why, you know, Heinz Ward has been blocked so much. They have too many talented wide receivers. But, Joel, Devin Hester, you're old enough to remember how good he was, right? Absolutely. Why is he not in? Yeah. How come he can't get the votes for that? It's also strange. Whenever he had that role in special teams, he just – Thrived in it every single time. He did. Andre Johnson didn't make it. Reggie Wayne didn't make it. Torrey Holt. Now, again, these are going to block. I'm telling you, Heinz Ward is going to go in for a long road only because, and I think he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. But there are so many other wide receivers, and they seem to only take a couple at the very most of these positions because they have other guys like Dwight Freeney, like Patrick Willis. Who else missed it? Darren Woodson. They got all, And then they're all new ones coming in as well. But I want to get to – the whole thing about Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. I'm from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, specifically Hopewell Township. But this now makes Aliquippa as the only high school ever, anywhere, with three football Hall of Famers in it. Because you can obviously talk about Mike Ditka uh, back in the day, what he did as a player and coach. Ty Law, five-time Pro Bowler, part of the All-2000s team, a three-time Super Bowl champ, and now Darrell Rivas. Uh, a seven-time Pro Bowler, and everything he's done. Now, if I throw in Tony Dorsett, which is only a couple of miles away, again, Aliquippa and Hope are pretty close, you'd have four from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania in there, and no one else can say that. Pretty impressive stuff. So, Alicoo-coo, go at it. That's that's my hometown. All right, let's go to the lines at 412-928-9370. We've got Mike in Bethel Park. What's up, Mike? How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah. Uh, I agree definitely with, uh, if I may sidetrack a little bit with Hester, uh, special teams may decide this Super Bowl. And what he did was, uh, haven't seen before, I think he should have been in the Hall of Fame. But uh, regarding Pickett, and when I noticed the explosion, the young talent at quarterback position in the NFL, he has a leadership quality that I think is going to make him the real deal. Well, I do, I do too. I think it's a competitive drive. I think the fact that he spent, and this everyone knew this going in, that he was the most seasoned quarterback, you know, in the draft, Mike. Uh, and a lot of teams, for whatever reason, chose not to draft him. Teams who legitimately needed quarterbacks. I found that strange, and then I found, uh-oh, he's available and Mike Tomlin's going to pick. I knew they liked him. I didn't know they liked him as much as they did, but they did, and they took him, uh, and they needed somebody. So, uh, But I, I liked how he progressed this past season. Uh, you know, slow steps like any first-year player. I think you got to learn a lot about what goes on. Uh, and, and you saw a reduction in the amount of mistakes vis-a-vis -vis the interceptions, but you also saw pocket, uh, pocket awareness. I, there was one thing that, that he, I think he has to do more of, Mike, and that would be be willing to stand – and he's not afraid to do it. He'll stand in there, take a hit to make a play. We saw that on display in the Jets game. 
uh, and a few other games, but he needs to not be so quick to leave the pocket. Know what I mean? Yes, yes. But I think that's Thank just part you. of being a young quarterback and learning it, and that's why this year was so important for him as it turned out. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the call at 412-928-9370. A lot of people are still wondering why Art Rooney told me that he wants to have Mitch Trubisky Basque. I don't understand why people can't get a hold of that. They look at price tags. First of all, he's 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 somebody who could be restructured. There are a lot of guys who do that, you know, Joel. Um, why wouldn't you want him as a backup? Right now, if you put him up against all the other backups in the NFL, he's probably one of the best backups. Why wouldn't you want it? Why wouldn't you pay whatever price is for it? Because it's a premium insurance policy. We just saw San Francisco get victimized by how many quarterback injuries, right? A lot. Yeah, so why wouldn't you want to have him? I don't care what the price is. They have the salary caps going up. Figure out ways to restructure guys. You can do that. Um, and we'll see, uh, you know, after that, you're going to have to find somebody else, you know, somebody to come in here and, and occupy a third quarterback. But I also believe, and it's time for the NFL to make three quarterbacks eligible on game days, especially in the postseason. Again, Josh Johnson, all due respect to him, he's been around, I think, 13 teams he's been on. My goodness. So he's going to get a nice little severance check from the NFL and also, um, all kinds of money down the road, uh, just been being a 12-year player. Uh, but he's been around too long, and he's not the kind of guy that you want coming into a, a critical game like they had just because of injury. So they they need to figure out ways to increase the amount of quarterbacks from two to three on a game day. For that matter, why do why do they limit it at 47 anyway? They, who cares? They got a whole bunch of people on the practice squad. Just make it more eligible. What's the difference if you know you have 53 or 55 people eligible? During game day, four one two nine two eight ninety three seventy is that number to call. Um, so the NFL has its two number one seats. This is something that hasn't happened routinely. You know, this is something that normally you get a wild card team, you get a, some you know fourth seed getting in there. But this is only the sixth time since the year two thousand that you're going to find two number one seeds with almost identical numbers in every way, not just the record at 16-3 overall, the amount of points scored the same, the amount of uh, yards, they almost nearly identical both offensively and defensively. It's a really interesting matchup, which is why it's such a sort of a pick em game at this point. But Patrick Mahomes has an opportunity to do something that not many have been able to do. And what I would, I would venture to say right now that if you look at what he's been able to do, uh, that he is a Hall of Famer right now. Uh, Two-time... NFL MVP. Not many people have that. He's only 27. He's been to five AFC championship games in a row, all at home. That tells you how good they've been during the regular season. Three Super Bowl appearances. One Super Bowl MVP so far. Could be two. Who knows? Five Pro Bowls. Three All-Pro first team. NFL record, 5,600 passing yards in a season. All of these things tell me he could stop right now, Joel, and be in the Hall of Fame first ballot, correct? Absolutely correct. But he's not done yet. And Kansas City has become the new New England. And he specifically has become the new Tom Brady for those battling every year in the AFC. you got to deal with him and many others who are getting better. And hopefully Pickett can join that conversation rather quickly. But the Chiefs have a very good offense. We know that. The problem I would have from Kansas City is who else is going to step up besides their outstanding tight end, Travis Kelsey? Who else? They've had a lot of injuries in that last game. They had guys fall left and right. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes was still able to get the ball out, even though he couldn't run too much. They're going to need Juju Smith-Schuster to be a player here in this game. Marquez Valdez-Scantley, they're going to need him to be a game. This 
goes to show you about running backs. Isaiah Pacheco comes into the league with no expectation, and he is a really good player for them. Um, on the other side of it, you got – I think this Eagles team is, is better, honestly better. And I would include just their overall – I think they're a better offense. It's different. Jalen Hurts can do a lot of different things for you. He finished second in the MVP voting, I think, to Patrick Mahomes, who was a, almost a landslide winner, and there should be no question about that. But when you have a team that can run the ball the way they do with Miles Sanders and him, um, not just him, but they have other people too who run the ball and do it pretty well. Kenneth uh, Gainwell is, is another good player. But then they throw the ball down the field too. You know, they acquired A.J. Brown, and he was nothing short of spectacular. Nobody has had a better accuracy or total yards passing over 25 yards than Jalen Hurts this year. That's And that's going to test the secondary for Kansas City, which is very young and inexperienced. To me, you're going to see balls down the field. You can talk all you want about the fact that they rush the ball well, and they do. 39 rushing touchdowns, most ever by a team in one season. Uh, they can do that, but they also can go deep. And either Devonta Smith or A.J. Brown are going to have big plays in this game, I would think. And then when not, it's Dallas Goddard underneath who can do it. Plus, the Chiefs are going to have to deal with a defense that doesn't stop with Philadelphia. It's unbelievable. Javon Hargrave is right in the middle of it with 11 sacks, most he's ever had. He's now a free agent. He's going to cash in. Big time for him. But you got veterans there like Fletcher Cox. But you also brought in uh, Hassan Reddick, and he's going to do something that maybe only Lamar Woodley has been able to do uh, You know, with multiple sack games in the postseason. And if he has one, he'll he'll tie Woodley this week. And he's been all over the place. So that is, I, I just like I like Philadelphia. I have since they since they got into it, I thought they were going to be the team that emerges as the Super Bowl champion. I had them at the beginning of the season as my team representing the NFC, uh, NFC in the Super Bowl. Uh, I didn't have the AFC so well, but I thought they were just underrated and very good. And Jalen Hurts is taking the next step. Should be a good game. You'll see it tomorrow on Fox. It starts at 6.30. We'll be on the air live with our number one Cochrane Sports Showdown after that game and later that night at 11.35. In the meantime, we're going to take a break here. Also talking about the Penguins, what they do with the trade deadline. What would you do? And if Ron Hextall doesn't make the playoffs or they're one and done, is his job potentially in jeopardy? We'll talk about that and more coming up. Good morning to you if you're just waking up. I had an early wake-up call. I don't like those. <laughs> it takes a while to get moving normally, more so than ever before. But once you get moving, you get cranking. And here we are cranking away until 11.30. And that'll take you right up to Pit Panther Network pregame show. Pitt with a big game today against Florida State. And by the end of this day, they could be the number one team regulation in the ACC. How about that? Trending upward. Currently an eight seed in bracketology. Looking to become a five seed and ranked certainly by this week. Now, they lost to FSU the first time they played. Leonard Hamilton and his teams are always very well prepared and big physical inside, so that'll be a challenge today for Jeff Capel. By the way, speaking about uh, the Super Bowl, I got a text here from Jonathan Moon, and he wanted to know how you assemble Super Bowl teams. Well, obviously, there's a lot of ways to do it. So I was looking at teams that are in it, these two number one seeded teams, and that's the rarity in today's NFL. Normally, you get a wild card team or something else. But look at these are combined for the uh, both the Eagles and the uh, Chiefs, okay. So it's this is this is who's on their roster, I guess. It takes a while to go through this because you got to go back through every single player, and it's hard to do. But all right, this is first rounders on these two teams. Fourteen first rounders. That's not as many as you would have thought for as many like 
dynamic players. There are 22 second-round picks. That's the pick of all the ones that I could see that develops the most players. Third-round pick, 15 players. Fourth-round, 14. Do you know how many undrafted players are currently on these two rosters, Joel? This is the stunning one for me. And I'm not, I guess I'm not stunned because I see uh, – you know, how the Steelers will come up with some or other teams will come up with players. Like Pacheco is one of them. Like, um, you know, you look here and what the Steelers have done over the years with undrafted players who come out of nowhere. Jalen Warren fits that mold just like Willie Parker did. Who? How many do you think combined on both rosters? I'll say two. 17. Wow. So that's a, that's a lot. It's actually more than first-round picks if you look at it. But the first-round picks are the star players. Certainly you get that. But you can assemble this any which way you can. Uh, I think it's pretty intriguing that way. And that's why Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, and the Steelers are going to have a very busy draft. They got some big premium picks this year. They're going to have to figure out what to do with some of the limitations they have. In the meantime, let's go to the lines at 412-928-9370. We have Chris in Elwood City. Hey, Chris. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you, Mr. Pompietti. How are you? Oh, I'm just wonderful, too. It's nice outside. I'm sure Joe Starkey's golfing somewhere. I probably should join him today. It's such a nice day. It's cold, but I don't care. You know, I just want to get out yeah. and play now. Nice in the sun. Yes, sir. Well, I have three points I'd like to make, sir. All right. First, the day you and Mr. Cook and the other fine gentlemen were being polite to each other, I happened to listen to that, and that was that was uh, splendiferous. <laughs> <laughs> That's number one point. Number two, Pitt. Uh, shockingly great. I went there for a little while in my life. And number three, sir, fine, sir. The Steelers, the future is so bright. All the haters need to shut up. The future is so bright. I really think I'm going to put on some shades today in the sun. Three words. Ready? They all go with pick. We got some, like you said, premium picks. I watched Kenny Pickett at Pitt play several times. Very, very good. And Pickens, OMG. <laughs> so, your thoughts? Well, I agree. Those are the first two. If you want to assess drafts, look at what they did this year with Kenny Pickett and George Pickens. Right. First two picks. Mm-hmm. Now, they could have gone other directions, and a lot of people thought they might. But they, and I don't, again, Chris, I'll tell you this. The Steelers did yeah. not necessarily expect Pickett to be there for them. They had made yeah. you know considerations for a lot of possibilities, but given the need of quarterback on so many teams, uh, oh, they yeah. thought he might be gone by then. But he wasn't. Well, I was and, and they took him, and they took him because they really, truly liked him. And I think it has something to do yeah. with Mike Tomlin. Talked to him quite a bit over his time at Pitt. Got to know him inside his head, his competitive desire, how he's progressed, and that's important. Now, he's an older first-round pick, but he, he is – and he's shown this. Now, he – is he complete? No, not even close. He has a lot, and I think this is a step-up year for him. This whole experience will help him so much, uh, and if they add to their offense, which they will, they're going to have to find another wide receiver, I think, at some point. Uh, but they got too many young players in ki- critical positions who all gain experience together. I think that's going to be so Definitely. valuable to them. Yep, yep, I agree. So three words, pick, pickings, and the picks. I am very pumped, longtime Steeler fan. Long-time Mr. Pompiani fan as well. So I hope you gentlemen have a great afternoon. All right, Chris, thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the kind words. The one thing that has to happen, I'll give you two words. Matt Canada, he has to expand this playbook. If they're going to take the next step as a group, 
they have to be able and willing to go to the middle of the field and down the field a lot more. Open up the middle of the field to make the sideline passes a little bit more uh, of an easier proposition. By ignoring the middle of the field as much as they did, it makes it more difficult to complete those passes. And you have weapons in the middle of the field. You've got some pretty good tight ends. Connor Hayward showed me that he's going to be a big contributor there. Pat Fryermuth is is just learn, yearning to become one of the better, um, you know, quantity and quality guys in the middle of the field. Najee Harris and Jalen Warren out of the backfield are very good pass recept, uh, receivers. Now the key is going to be offensive line. Um, I I still believe they're going to draft. If it's up to me, anyway, okay, I'll tell you that if there's an offensive lineman who I really like in the first round, I'm taking him. Period. No exceptions. I know some people are stuck on this Jordan Addison thing. I'm not one of them. I think there are really good receivers in this draft you can get later. I say the number one issue for me, and I'm I'm listen. I understand the quarterback has to have relationships with the receiver. He has one with Jordan Addison. I take that all into account, but more more than anything. You've got to be able to protect these two teams right now in the Super Bowl are teams that have good offensive linemen and are protecting quarterbacks and open up holes for running backs. You need to get better there. They took steps. They got young players. They can And they're lucky because all of them played without substantial injury. Sooner or later, there are going to be two or three injuries like Cincinnati found out. And then you got to patchwork with what? You need depth. Let's go out to Title Man in Harrison City. We're right now on the fan hotline. What's up, Title Man? Oh, I'm on pins and needles today. This is this really is uh, in the ACC turning into a real pennant race, and uh, you know today could be your opportunity for Pitt. And I don't discount Florida State. They're not. They're, they have a. I'll tell you what. They're long uh, and well coached. Uh, Leonard Hamilton's a good coach, but you know Clemson has North Carolina. UVA has Duke. If we could separate ourselves today, and then. Uh, Let's face it. The last uh, last month of the season is it's. I think it's going to be a, a dogfight. If Virginia and Clemson lose, title man, and they're both, as you say, going up up against the blue bloods. Although North Carolina looks, I don't know what's wrong with them. They look terrible. Right. Um, then Pitt would overtake them. Uh, they would be if they win today. They'll be eleven and three. The other two will be ten and four with Miami in there as well. That game on March the fourth down in Coral Gables will be the one to decide the ACC regular season championship. Who would have thought? And if you had made a bet, what would the odds have been at the beginning of the season that Pitt would win the ACC outright? Who would have made that prediction? Who would have made that I, bet? I, and I wonder what the number is on that bet. What would that have been off the board? They were uh, picked fourteenth, yeah, five hundred to one. I mean, it had to be some ridiculous number. The uh, the, the thing that. Uh, they always said when, you know, when Jamie was here and we, we just couldn't seem to, you know, break through the ceiling is that in the NCAA tournament, you need a guy who's going to carry, going to be able to carry a team. He's going to, you know, you're going to be able to look to him to, to really take it all upon himself at crunch time. And they have that guy in, in, in Jamarius Burton. Uh, he is the kind of guy, you know, there'll be games. We'll, we'll be watching the game and we'll, we'll be saying to each other, He's not having that good a game, and then you end up, you know, he might not have, he might have 11 points, but has 12 assists. So he, he's really, he can be sneaky in, in what he can do. If he's not shooting that well, he makes up for it in a lot of other different ways. But I do think he is the kind of guy that he can take, you know, he can take a team on his back in the last two minutes of a game, and that that's what you need in a tournament. Oh, there's no question. And he has support back there, too. I mean, he's... To me, he's a player of the year candidate right now. 
You know, Burton. Uh, I think he's averaging over 17 or 18 a game. He's got multiple rebounds and assists. And you're yeah. right. There are nights when he decides, I'm just going to be a distributor. And he's okay with that, even though he shoots 50% from the floor. The, here's the other thing, title man. I think this is important. You mentioned Jamie Dixon and Ben Howland. One of the things that did not happen during those times, they weren't the best foul shooting teams. This no. pit team is really efficient at the foul line. It really is. And when you have guys like Nike Sabandi and Greg Elliott and Nellie Cummings and and Burton driving and getting to the line, you know, that's that's a big component in critical tight games. you got to make foul yeah. shots, and they've done it. It's not only them. It was like the other night, the Twin Towers, I think, went five for six from the line. I mean, they're – Yeah, Diaz Grandbrothers, those Twin Towers, and Federico Federico is – I don't know what his – I know that he's a pretty good high-percentage shooter from the field. He blocks a lot of shots, gets a lot of rebounds, but he, I don't know what he is from the line. But uh, when you got guys – you know, Nelly's Nelly's got to be shooting close to ninety percent from the free throws, and and again, the other guy, Henson, uh, Elliott, Burton, Sabandi. Yep. Uh, you put them on the foul line at the end of a game, and uh, you're going to pay the price. But also, I think it helps them that they've been down in games and they've come back. You know, yep. um, and they were down and scored the last eleven points of their uh, their game against who was it just recently? Where they ended the game on eleven zero run. Now I'm forgetting what team it was. I think that was Wake. Was that Wake Forest? Yeah. Okay, but, yeah. but that's the thing. They were down. It looked like they were going to lose, and all of a sudden, boom, they got tough defensively. They made shots, got to the line, and put it away. Thadoman, thanks for the yeah. call. Appreciate it. You'll hear it today, noon, right here on the home of Pin Panther Sports at Sports Radio 93.7. The fan. All right, we have uh, still – what do we have here? An hour and a half, is that right? An hour and a half. I can't even add today now. And I'm not Math is not my specialty, Joel. I'll tell you that right now, which is why I need PNC Bank to help me with my virtual wallet. I can't add, subtract, or anything. So we have an hour and a half until 1130, and that's when we join the Pitt Panther pregame show on the network. That's coming up today, 1130, Pitt, Florida State at noon today. 